Chapter Nineteen of Framley Parsonage by Anthony Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Nick Whitley, Purley, United Kingdom. Chapter Nineteen: Money Dealings. Mister Sowerby, in his resolution to obtain this good gift for the vicar of Framley, did not depend quite alone on the influence of his near connection with the Lord Petty Bag. He felt the occasion to be one on which he might endeavour to move even higher powers than that, and therefore he had opened the matter to the Duke, not by direct application, but through Mr. Fothergill. No man who understood matters ever thought of going direct to the Duke in such an affair as that. If one wanted to speak about a woman, or a horse, or a picture, the duke could on occasions be affable enough but through mr fothergill the duke was approached it was represented with some cunning that this buying over of the framley clergyman from the lufton side would be a praiseworthy spoiling of the amalekites the doing so would give the omnium interest a hold even in the cathedral close and then it was known to all men that Mr. Robarts had considerable influence over Lord Lufton himself. So guided, the Duke of Omnium did say two words to the Prime Minister, and two words from the Duke went a great way, even with Lord Brock. The upshot of all this was that Mark Robarts did get the stall, but he did not hear the tidings of his success till some days after his return to framley mr sowerby did not forget to tell him of the great effort the unusual effort as he of caldicotts called it which the duke had made on the subject i don't know when he has done such a thing before said sowerby and you may be quite sure of this he would not have done it now had you not gone to gatherham castle when he asked you indeed fothergill would have known that it was vain to attempt it and i'll tell you what mark it does not do for me to make little of my own nest but i truly believe the duke's word will be more efficacious than the lord pettibag's solemn adjuration mark of course expressed his gratitude in proper terms and did buy the horse for a hundred and thirty pounds he is as well worth it said sowerby as any animal that ever stood on four legs and my only reason for pressing him on you is that when tozer's day does come round i know you will have to stand to us to something about that tune it did not occur to mark to ask him why the horse should not be sold to some one else and the money forthcoming in the regular way but this would not have suited mr sowerby mark knew that the beast was good and as he walked to his lodgings was half proud of his new possession but then how would he justify it to his wife or how introduce the animal into his stables without attempting any justification in the matter and yet looking to the absolute amount of his income 
surely he might feel himself entitled to buy a new horse when it suited him he wondered what mr crawley would say when he heard of the new purchase he had lately fallen into a state of much wondering as to what his friends and neighbours would say about him he had now been two days in town and was to go down after breakfast on the following morning so that he might reach home by friday afternoon but on that evening just as he was going to bed he was surprised by lord lufton coming into the coffee-room at his hotel he walked in with a hurried step his face was red and it was clear that he was very angry robarts said he walking up to his friend and taking the hand that was extended to him do you know anything about this man tozer tozer what tozer i have heard sowerby speak of such a man of course you have if i do not mistake you have written to me about him yourself very probably i remember sowerby mentioning the man with reference to your affairs but why do you ask me this man has not only written to me but has absolutely forced his way into my rooms when i was dressing for dinner and absolutely had the impudence to tell me that if i did not honour some bill which he holds for eight hundred pounds he would proceed against me but you settled all that matter with sowerby i did settle it at a very great cost to me sooner than have a fuss i paid him through the nose like a fool that i was everything that he claimed this is an absolute swindle and if it goes on i will expose it as such robarts looked round the room but luckily there was not a soul in it but themselves you do not mean to say that sowerby is swindling you said the clergyman it looks very like it said lord lufton and i tell you fairly that i am not in a humour to endure any more of this sort of thing some years ago i made an ass of myself through that man's fault but four thousand pounds should have covered the whole of what i really lost i have now paid more than three times that sum and by heavens i will not pay more without exposing the whole affair but lufton i do not understand what is this bill has it your name to it yes it has i'll not deny my name and if there be absolute need i will pay it but if i do so my lawyer shall sift it and it shall go before a jury but i thought all those bills were paid i left it to sowerby to get up the old bills when they were renewed and now one of them that has in truth been already honoured is brought against me mark could not but think of the two documents which he himself had signed and both of which were now undoubtedly in the hands of tozer or of some other gentleman of the same profession which both might be brought against him the second as soon as he should have satisfied the first and then he remembered that sowerby had said something to him about an outstanding bill for the filling up of which some trifle must be paid and of this he reminded lord lufton and do you call eight hundred pounds a trifle if so i do not they will probably make no such demand as that 
but i tell you they do make such a demand and have made it the man whom i saw and who told me that he was tozer's friend but who was probably tozer himself positively swore to me that he would be obliged to take legal proceedings if the money were not forthcoming within a week or ten days when i explained to him that it was an old bill that had been renewed he declared that his friend had given full value for it sowerby said that you would probably have to pay ten pounds to redeem it i should offer the man some such sum as that my intention is to offer the man nothing but to leave the affair in the hands of my lawyer with instructions to him to spare none neither myself nor any one else i am not going to allow such a man as sowerby to squeeze me like an orange but lufton you seem as though you were angry with me no i am not but i think it is as well to caution you about this man my transactions with him lately have chiefly been through you and therefore but they have only been so through his and your wish because i have been anxious to oblige you both i hope you don't mean to say that i am concerned in these bills i know that you are concerned in bills with him why lufton am i to understand then that you are accusing me of having any interest in these transactions which you have called swindling as far as i am concerned there has been swindling and there is swindling going on now but you do not answer my question do you bring any accusation against me if so i agree with you that you had better go to your lawyer i think that is what i shall do very well but upon the whole i never heard of a more unreasonable man or of one whose thoughts are more unjust than yours solely with the view of assisting you and solely at your request i spoke to sowerby about these money transactions of yours then at his request which originated out of your request he using me as his ambassador to you as you had used me as yours to him i wrote and spoke to you and now this is the upshot i bring no accusation against you robots but i know you have dealings with this man you have told me so yourself yes at his request to accommodate him i have put my name to a bill only to one only to one and then to that same renewed or not exactly to that same but to one which stands for it the first was for four hundred pounds the last for five hundred all of which you will have to make good and the world will of course tell you that you have paid that price for this stall at barchester this was terrible to be borne he had heard much lately which had frightened and scared him but nothing so terrible as this nothing which so stunned him or conveyed to his mind so frightful a reality of misery and ruin he made no immediate answer but standing on the hearth-rug with his back to the fire looked up the whole length of the room hitherto his eyes had been fixed upon lord lufton's face but now it seemed to him as though he had but little more to do with lord lufton 
lord lufton and lord lufton's mother were neither now to be counted among those who wished him well upon whom indeed could he now count except that wife of his bosom upon whom he was bringing all this wretchedness in that moment of agony ideas ran quickly through his brain he would immediately abandon this preferment at barchester of which it might be said with so much colour that he had bought it he would go to harold smith and say positively that he declined it then he would return home and tell his wife all that had occurred tell the whole also to lady lufton if that might still be of any service he would make arrangement for the payment of both those bills as they might be presented asking no questions as to the justice of the claim making no complaint to any one not even to sowerby he would put half his income if half were necessary into the hands of forrest the banker till all was paid he would sell every horse he had he would part with his footman and groom and at any rate strive like a man to get again a firm footing on good ground then at that moment he loathed with his whole soul the position in which he found himself placed and his own folly which had placed him there how could he reconcile it to his conscience that he was there in london with sowerby and harold smith petitioning for church preferment to a man who should have been altogether powerless in such a matter buying horses and arranging about past due bills he did not reconcile it to his conscience mr crawley had been right when he told him that he was a castaway lord lufton whose anger during the whole interview had been extreme and who had become more angry the more he talked had now walked once or twice up and down the room and as he so walked the idea did occur to him that he had been unjust he had come there with the intention of exclaiming against sowerby and of inducing robarts to convey to that gentleman that if he lord lufton were made to undergo any further annoyance about this bill the whole affair should be thrown into the lawyer's hands but instead of doing this he had brought an accusation against robarts that robarts had latterly become sowerby's friend rather than his own in all these horrid money-dealings had galled him and now he had expressed himself in terms much stronger than he had intended to use as to you personally mark he said coming back to the spot on which robarts was standing i do not wish to say anything that shall annoy you you have said quite enough lord lufton you cannot be surprised that i should be angry and indignant at the treatment i have received you might i think have separated in your mind those who have wronged you if there has been such wrong from those who have only endeavoured to do your will and pleasure for you that i as a clergyman have been very wrong in taking any part whatsoever in these matters i am well aware but as a man i have been outrageously foolish in lending my name to mr sowerby i also know well enough it is perhaps as well that i should be told of this somewhat rudely but i certainly did not expect the lesson to come from you well there has been mischief enough the question is 
what we had better now both do you have said what you mean to do you will put the affair into the hands of your lawyer not with any object of exposing you exposing me lord lufton why one would think that i had had the handling of your money you will misunderstand me i think no such thing but do you not know yourself that if legal steps be taken in this wretched affair your arrangements with sowerby will be brought to light my arrangements with sowerby will consist in paying or having to pay on his account a large sum of money for which i have never had and shall never have any consideration whatever and what will be said about this stall at barchester after the charge which you brought against me just now i shall decline to accept it at this moment three or four other gentlemen entered the room and the conversation between our two friends was stopped they still remained standing near the fire but for a few minutes neither of them said anything robarts was waiting till lord lufton should go away and lord lufton had not yet said that which he had come to say at last he spoke again almost in a whisper i think it will be best to ask sowerby to come to my rooms to-morrow and i think also that you should meet him there i do not see any necessity for my presence said robarts it seems probable that i shall suffer enough for meddling with your affairs and i will do so no more of course i cannot make you come but i think it will be only just to sowerby and it will be a favour to me robarts again walked up and down the room for half a dozen times trying to resolve what it would most become him to do in the present emergency if his name were dragged before the courts if he should be shown up in the public papers as having been engaged in accommodation bills that would certainly be ruinous to him he had already learnt from lord lufton's innuendoes what he might expect to hear as the public version of his share in these transactions and then his wife how would she bear such exposure i will meet mr sowerby at your rooms to-morrow on one condition he at last said and what is that that i receive your positive assurance that i am not suspected by you of having had any pecuniary interest whatever in any money matters with mr sowerby either as concerns your affairs or those of anybody else i have never suspected you of any such thing but i have thought that you were compromised with him and so i am i am liable for these bills but you ought to have known and do know that i have never received a shilling on account of such liability i have endeavoured to oblige a man whom i regarded first as your friend and then as my own and this has been the result lord lufton did at last give him the assurance that he desired as they sat with their heads together over one of the coffee-room tables and then robarts promised that he would postpone his return to framley till the saturday so that he might meet sowerby at lord lufton's chambers in the albany on the following afternoon as soon as this was arranged lord lufton took his leave and went his way after that 
poor mark had a very uneasy night of it it was clear enough that lord lufton had thought if he did not still think that the stall at barchester was to be given as pecuniary recompense in return for certain money accommodation to be afforded by the nominee to the dispenser of this patronage nothing on earth could be worse than this in the first place it would be simony and then it would be simony beyond all description mean and simoniacal the very thought of it filled mark's soul with horror and dismay it might be that lord lufton's suspicions were now at rest but others would think the same thing and their suspicions it would be impossible to allay those others would consist of the outer world which is always so eager to gloat over the detected vice of a clergyman and then that wretched horse which he had purchased and the purchase of which should have prohibited him from saying that nothing of value had accrued to him in these transactions with mr sowerby what was he to do about that and then of late he had been spending and had continued to spend more money than he could well afford this very journey of his up to london would be most imprudent if it should become necessary for him to give up all hope of holding the prebend as to that he had made up his mind but then again he unmade it as men always do in such troubles that line of conduct which he had laid down for himself in the first moments of his indignation against lord lufton by adopting which he would have to encounter poverty and ridicule and discomfort the annihilation of his high hopes and the ruin of his ambition that he said to himself over and over again would now be the best for him but it is so hard for us to give up our high hopes and willingly encounter poverty ridicule and discomfort on the following morning however he boldly walked down to the petty bag office determined to let harold smith know that he was no longer desirous of the barchester stall he found his brother there still writing artistic notes to anxious peeresses on the subject of buggins's non-vacant situation but the great man of the place the lord pettibag himself was not there he might probably look in when the house was beginning to sit perhaps at four or a little after but he certainly would not be at the office in the morning the functions of the lord pettibag he was no doubt performing elsewhere perhaps he had carried his work home with him a practice which the world should know is not uncommon with civil servants of exceeding zeal mark did think of opening his heart to his brother and of leaving his message with him but his courage failed him or perhaps it might be more correct to say that his prudence prevented him it would be better for him he thought to tell his wife before he told any one else so he merely chatted with his brother for half an hour and then left him the day was very tedious till the hour came at which he was to attend at lord lufton's rooms but at last it did come and just as the clock struck he turned out of piccadilly into the albany as he was going across the court before he entered the building he was greeted by a voice just behind him as punctual as the big clock on barchester tower said mr sowerby 
see what it is to have a summons from a great man mr prebendary he turned round and extended his hand mechanically to mr sowerby and as he looked at him he thought he had never before seen him so pleasant in appearance so free from care and so joyous in demeanour you have heard from lord lufton said mark in a voice that was certainly very lugubrious heard from him oh yes of course i have heard from him i'll tell you what it is mark and he now spoke almost in a whisper as they walked together along the albany passage lufton is a child in money matters a perfect child the dearest finest fellow in the world you know but a very baby in money matters and then they entered his lordship's rooms lord lufton's countenance also was lugubrious enough but this did not in the least abash sowerby who walked quickly up to the young lord with his gait perfectly self-possessed and his face radiant with satisfaction well lufton how are you said he it seems that my worthy friend tozer has been giving you some trouble then lord lufton with a face by no means radiant with satisfaction again began the story of tozer's fraudulent demand upon him sowerby did not interrupt him but listened patiently to the end quite patiently although lord lufton as he made himself more and more angry by the history of his own wrongs did not hesitate to pronounce certain threats against mr sowerby as he had pronounced them before against mark robarts he would not he said pay a shilling except through his lawyer and he would instruct his lawyer that before he paid anything the whole matter should be exposed openly in court he did not care he said what might be the effect on himself or any one else he was determined that the whole case should go to a jury to grand jury and special jury and common jury and old jury if you like said sowerby the truth is lufton you lost some money and as there was some delay in paying it you have been harassed i have paid more than i lost three times over said lord lufton stamping his foot i will not go into that question now it was settled as i thought some time ago by persons to whom you yourself referred it but will you tell me this where on earth should robarts be troubled in this matter what has he done well i don't know he arranged the matter with you no such thing he was kind enough to carry a message from you to me and to convey back a return message from me to you that has been his part in it you don't suppose that i want to implicate him do you i don't think you want to implicate any one but you are hot-headed and difficult to deal with and very irrational into the bargain and what is worse i must say you are a little suspicious in all this matter i have harassed myself greatly to oblige you and in return i have got more kicks than halfpence 
did not you give this bill to tozer the bill which he now holds in the first place he does not hold it and in the next place a did not give it to him these things pass through scores of hands before they reach the man who makes the application for payment and who came to me the other day that i take it was tom tozer a brother of our tozer's then he holds the bill for a saw it with him wait a moment that is very likely i sent you word that you would have to pay for taking it up of course they don't abandon those sort of things without some consideration ten pounds you said observed mark ten or twenty some such sum as that but you are hardly so soft as to suppose that the man would ask for such a sum of course he would demand the full payment there is the bill lord lufton and sowerby producing a document handed it across the table to his lordship i gave five and twenty pounds for it this morning lord lufton took the paper and looked at it yes said he that's the bill what am i to do with it now audit with the family archives said sowerby or behind the fire just which you please and is this the last of them can no other be brought up you know better than i do what paper you may have put your hand to i know of no other at the last renewal that was the only outstanding bill of which i was aware and you have paid five-and-twenty pounds for it i have only that you have been in such a tantrum about it and would have made such a noise this afternoon if i had not brought it i might have had it for fifteen or twenty in three or four days they would have taken fifteen the odd ten pounds does not signify and i'll pay you the twenty-five of course said lord lufton who now began to feel a little ashamed of himself you may do as you please about that oh it's my affair as a matter of course any amount of that kind i don't mind and he sat down to fill in a cheque for the money well now lufton let me say a few words to you said sowerby standing with his back against the fireplace and playing with a small cane which he held in his hand for heaven's sake try and be a little more charitable to those around you when you become fidgety about anything you indulge in language which the world won't stand though men who know you as well as robots and i may consent to put up with it you have accused me since i have been here of all manner of iniquity now sowerby my dear fellow let me have my say out you have accused me i say and i believe that you have accused him but it has never occurred to you i dare say to accuse yourself indeed it has of course you have been wrong in having to do with such men as tozer i have also been very wrong it wants no great moral authority to tell us that pattern gentlemen don't have dealings with tozer and very much the better they are for not having them 
but a man should have back enough to bear the weight which he himself puts on it keep away from tozer if you can for the future but if you do deal with him for heaven's sake keep your temper that's all very fine sarby but you know as well as i do i know this said the devil quoting scripture as he folded up the cheque for twenty-five pounds and put it in his pocket that when a man sows tares he won't reap wheat and it's no use to expect it i am tough in these matters and can bear a great deal that is if he be not pushed too far and he looked full into lord lufton's face as he spoke but i think you have been very hard upon robarts never mind me sarby lord lufton and i are very old friends and may therefore take a liberty with each other very well and now i've done my sermon my dear dignitary allow me to congratulate you i hear from fothergill that that little affair of yours has been definitely settled mark's face again became clouded i rather think said he that i shall decline the presentation decline it said sarby who having used his utmost efforts to obtain it would have been more absolutely offended by such vacillation on the vicar's part than by any personal abuse which either he or lord lufton could heap upon him i think i shall said mark and why mark looked up at lord lufton and then remained silent for a moment there can be no occasion for such a sacrifice under the present circumstances said his lordship and under what circumstances could there be occasion for it asked sowerby the duke of omnium has used some little influence to get the place for you as a parish clergyman belonging to his county and i should think it monstrous if you were now to reject it and then robarts openly stated the whole of his reasons explaining exactly what lord lufton had said with reference to the bill transactions and to the allegation which would be made as to the stall having been given in payment for the accommodation upon my word that's too bad said sowerby now sowerby i won't be lectured said lord lufton i have done my lecture said he aware perhaps that it would not do for him to push his friend too far and i shall not give a second but robarts let me tell you this as far as i know harold smith has had little or nothing to do with the appointment the duke has told the prime minister that he was very anxious that a parish clergyman from the county should go into the chapter and then at lord brock's request he named you if under those circumstances you talk of giving it up i shall believe you to be insane as for the bill which you accepted for me you need have no uneasiness about it the money will be ready but of course when that time comes you will let me have the hundred and thirty for and then mr sowerby took his leave having certainly made himself master of the occasion if a man of fifty have his wits about him and be not too prosy he can generally make himself master of the occasion when his companions are under thirty robarts did not stay at the albany long after him but took his leave 
having received some assurances of lord lufton's regret for what had passed and many promises of his friendship for the future indeed lord lufton was a little ashamed of himself and as for the prebend after what has passed of course you must accept it nevertheless his lordship had not omitted to notice mr sowerby's hint about the horse and the hundred and thirty pounds robarts as he walked back to his hotel thought that he certainly would accept the barchester promotion and was very glad that he had said nothing on the subject to his brother on the whole his spirits were much raised that assurance of sowerby's about the bill was very comforting to him and strange to say he absolutely believed it in truth sowerby had been so completely the winning horse at the late meeting that both lord lufton and robarts were inclined to believe almost anything he said which was not always the case with either of them end of chapter nineteen recording by nick whitley purley united kingdom